I am going to invite you at this time. We're going to go into the word of the Lord. How many of you are, are ready to receive a word from God today? Can you say amen? Acts chapter 9. We are in a series called Unstoppable. And we're going through the book of Acts. This is a series on Acts. This is our summer series. So generally, summer series goes uh, at least a couple of months, if not more. So we're looking at Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. I'm going to be reading a few verses there. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, beginning, it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so if he found any who were of the way, and that's speaking of Christians, they were referred to as the people of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? This is an interesting question because this is a question posed by a man who supposedly knew God. Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said to him, the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goad. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise. Go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drink. I'm going to preach today on this thought divine redirection divine redirection I feel to pray one more time Father I thank you would you join me Father I thank you for your spirit that we feel in this place today and I ask that in these few moments that we have today Lord that you would speak a word that will transform our lives Lord anoint us today to hear and receive and anoint my lips of clay and put your word in my mouth God that it might not be me but it be the Holy Ghost. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in God's presence. In the late 90s and early 2000s, before GPS was in our cars and our smartphones, we had something called MapQuest. Anybody remember MapQuest? <laughs> Uh, this was high-tech stuff. You know, you would, you would enter your destination into the website, and it would magically generate uh, a, a, a map complete with turn-by-turn -turn directions with this cute little map and a highlighted uh, route for you to take. And all you had to do was click print. Uh, click print, and you can fold up that nice little map and hit the road. I mean, I remember when this was a thing, and it was like, wow, you know? 
I can go online and I can print a map. We're living in some advanced times now, huh? Before MapQuest, and I'm going to lose a lot of you on this one, there were these weird things called folding maps. <laughs> now, I know that for a lot of you, because uh, we've got a lot of young people here today, that uh, this is very foreign to you. You're like, what's that? I've never seen one of those. And this is what we use, and I'm saying we because, you know... <laughs> I, I, there was a time where even I used this to navigate the road. Now, the issue with MapQuest and these folding maps is that um, they were very detailed, but they did not account for changes in traffic. Uh, they did not account for uh, road closures, detours, new roads. Um, this was not real time. These things were printed, and then within a few months or years especially, they were sometimes obsolete and so every once in a while you would encounter uh you would encounter a road closure and uh, you were following the map and then it would redirect you and then right away you were trying to you know find yourself on the map or you could unknowingly be driving down the wrong road not knowing that the map has been changed and and there you are, you know, re reassuring all the passengers in your car or your wife. You said, don't worry. I know where I'm going. Can the men say amen? <laughs> amen. Don't worry. And even if you don't know where you're going, you're going to tell everybody you know where you're going. Because you don't want anybody to panic. It's going to be all right. And eventually, you have to redirect. Someone say redirect. And it can be a humbling experience. To have to redirect. And redirections remind us that it's not always a straight or predictable line from point A to point B. Sometimes the line takes an unexpected turn. It, it, it shifts in a way that you cannot have anticipated. And this is also true in a spiritual sense when we see in the passage before us today, how God dramatically redirected Saul's life while on the road to Damascus. Let me bring you up to speed a little bit on this character Saul. I preached a bit about him last Sunday. But this, this man by the name of Saul of Tarsus was a Hebrew of Hebrews. A member of the Sanhedrin, which was essentially the Jewish Supreme Court. It was the high court. And he first appears in scripture at the stoning of Stephen. In Acts 8.1 it tells us that Saul was consenting to his death. He was more than a bystander. But more than likely an accomplice. Someone who may have incited the mob. He was probably the ringleader. Many believe that Saul of Tarsus was also present at the trial of Jesus. Bible scholars uh, will speculate about this, that he was there. We don't read about him during the trial of Jesus because he had not yet made a name for himself. He was not yet a fixture in the priestly hierarchy. But in a span of just roughly three years, all of that had changed. And now Saul was the proverbial golden boy of 
the Pharisees. Saul was somewhat of the chosen one among them to represent their interests, to lobby their agenda, and to, in the case we see today, uh, inflict upon or impose upon their will, even if by force. He became their, their leader, so to speak, and he had climbed the ladder among the Sanhedrin and among the Pharisees and worked himself into a position of considerable clout. Saul was not just any religious zealot. Saul was not just any, um, any student. He wasn't just any member of this high court. He was a member of members. He was a men among men. He, he, he was uh, a man who had carved out for himself a very prominent place among these religious, uh, these religious uh, rule keepers. And really, they were like policemen in the community. And so he became this figure. And, 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 and he felt that he ought to take it upon himself to lead the charge. And, and Saul became an infamous figure. And the thing about Saul that you've got to understand is that in his mind, during this period of his life, he believes that he is doing the will of God. Saul believes in the very fiber of his being that he is doing what God wants him to do. He is not just on any political or social campaign, Saul believes that he is on a spiritual, religious campaign. He is on a, a religious crusade, and that he is acting on the behalf of God. And it's very important you understand that this is how his mind is working. Even though he is terrorizing the, the Christians, he, he feels like he is doing everything that he's supposed to do for God. He's hunting down and persecuting Jews who had con uh, converted to Christianity. He made it his personal mission to go and find those Jews who had essentially betrayed Judaism, turned their back in his mind on the ways of their forefathers, threw away their religious pedigree and, and all that was promised to them as being the seed of Abraham. He felt like he was on a mission from God to snuff out and to stop this Christian movement from progressing. And do you know that Saul, he wore this notorious reputation like a badge of honor? He was proud of the fact that when his name was spoken, it was spoken with fear. And then when people mentioned him, the Christians, that maybe they shuddered or they, he, he, he was proud of the fact that his name and his reputation went before him. So with arrest warrants in hand, we see in our text today that Saul was charging toward Damascus. What was he doing? He was hell-bent on finding and rounding up as many of these Christians as he could. And so, feeling like his work in Jerusalem had reached a good place, he is now starting to go to Damascus. And while he was on his way to Damascus, little did he know that he was on a collision course with Jesus Christ. And on that dusty road between Jerusalem 
and Damascus, Jesus confronted Saul. And it was at that point where he turned his life in another direction. He redirected his life from being a terrorizer of the church to being a preacher of the gospel. Can someone say amen today? And I want someone to know today that God can begin a spiritual transition in your life at any moment and at any time without any warning. God can show up in your world, in your life, and quite literally stop you in your tracks from whatever direction you're going in and saying, this is not what I have for you, but I have something better. You need to understand that you being in this service today is not just another service, not just another time of worship and fellowship. You being here today is an opportunity for the Holy Ghost, for Jesus himself to confront you where you are and say, I've got another plan in store for your life. I want somebody to know today that this can be the day that changes the rest of your life. I want somebody to know today that this can be the day that changes the trajectory of your life. How many of you are a witness that one day you stepped into a service like this? One day you stepped into an apostolic Holy Ghost filled service thinking that you were going in one way and then the word of God confronted you and say stop right where you are and change your heart and change your life and filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and revolutionize. Can somebody today give God some praise? Can somebody today shout hallelujah? Can say, is there anybody a witness that all it takes is one move of God to turn everything around somebody say amen today somebody today thankful that God stopped you one day without warning he stopped us at any time when we least expect God can step into our world step into our life and show us a better way. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for showing me a better way. He came into my life. Oh, that one special day. Hallelujah. He came into my heart to show me a better way. That's what Jesus came to do. He did not come. Listen, the gospel did not come into our life. Christianity doesn't come into our life simply just to make you a nicer and better person and give you a little boost on where you're going. We know that gospel confronts us uh, and it convicts us and challenges us uh, to be transformed uh, and radically converted unto his purpose. Amen. And there are three things that I want you to look at today before I'm done. Three clues that God is redirecting because maybe you don't realize today that God is redirecting you. And this message today is not just for those who uh, may be unconverted or still uh, un haven't been baptized. It's for you, but it's also for you uh, saints and seasoned Christians who have just come to a point in your life where you may be plateauing spiritually or just an idol spiritually or just going in one direction, but God wants to change your direction. And the first clue that God will do is intervene. Intervention. Some would say intervention. While trying to hurt Christians, Saul was, he was really hurting himself. 
intervention. If you could put point number one up for me, please. Uh, intervention. Saul was really hurting himself. When, when Jesus uh, spoke to him, he used uh, an expression which supports this idea. In, in verse 5, he says, it is hard for you. He tells them to kick against the goads. And as Saul hears these words, uh, they sound unfamiliar to us today, not an expression we use in our culture and our time, but hearing those words, it is hard for you to kick against the goads, would have made sense to him upon hearing it. Because he understood its meaning. Let me explain to you what, what Jesus was saying. You see, goads were sharply pointed instruments used by farmers to force an oxen, most times a stubborn oxen, to move ahead. These goads were there to make sure that the oxen was, was, was on the right track. And in case it, it, it stopped or in case it, uh, you know, it, it, it got stubborn, it didn't want to move or resisted, whatever the farmer was doing, it, it would kick back it, its legs and, and, and as a form of resisting and, and, and fighting back. And, and every time it would do that, it, it would kick against that goad, that, that sharp instrument, and then it would just hurt it. And the more it kicked, the more it hurt. And the more it, 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 the more it resisted and the more it uh, 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 fought what was going on, the, the more it, it pierced its leg and the more pain that it caused itself. Saul didn't realize what we often don't realize today, church and friend, is that when we are resisting God and when we are resisting his word and his will and his way, when we are resisting what his voice is calling us to do and his plan, when we're resisting his purpose, anytime we're doing that, when we are resisting, we're not hurting him. We're not hurting anybody else but ourselves. The agenda he was pushing, Saul, was working against him. And the more that he resisted, the more he suffered. And the harder that he kicked, the deeper the gold would pierce his flesh. And there are times in our life when we're experiencing discomfort and pain. There are times in our life when we are uh, experiencing, when we are suffering or we are uh, uh, going through a time of pain and, and, and discomfort and trouble. We're being afflicted and we're wondering why this is happening to us. Uh, one of the reasons it could be is that we are kicking against the goads. We are resisting something that God is calling or commanding us to do. And instead of helping ourselves, we're only digging ourselves a deeper hole and making it worse for ourselves. There's somebody today under the sound of my voice who you've been kicking against the goads. You've been fighting some area in your life, the will of God. You've been fighting in some area of your life, uh, the voice of God. You've been fighting and putting off something that God has been asking you to do. Putting off and delaying, procrastinating something you need to do in your heart. Uh, and that thing could be the forgiveness of somebody who hurts you. That thing could be the obedience of something that God has called you to do as a Christian and as a believer. It could be withholding something. Uh, it could be delaying 
the step of faith that God has called you to take. I'm not sure what that area is in your life. It could be holding on to jealousy, holding on to anger, holding on to bitterness, holding on to that grudge. And you think that by holding on to that thing, you're going to punish the one who hurt you. Or you think by resisting and by delaying your obedience, you're going to prove a point and you're going to and you're going to make your statement heard. I just need to tell somebody right now in the Holy Ghost that the only person you're hurting by doing that is yourself. And the only pain that you're inflicting is on yourself. You're not hurting anybody else by being bitter but you. You're not hurting anybody else by being in denial but you. You're not hurting anybody else by living that lie but you. But the Holy Ghost sent me here today to intervene. The Holy Ghost wants to intervene in somebody's life and tell you don't kick against the goat. Don't because I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord some praise today. I want to tell you that God wants to bless you. Somebody say amen. I said somebody say amen. God wants to bless you. God's got a greater plan for you. God's got a plan that's going to elevate you, bless you, and take you to places that you've never been, but you've got to stop kicking against the goat and say, not my will, but your will be done. Hallelujah, somebody. I said hallelujah, somebody. There are times that I'm kicking against the goats, and I'm, and I'm just making it worse for myself. Huh? We do things that, whether it's to prove a point or whether it's to, you know, uh, just resist or delay. And, and, and the only people we're hurting is ourselves. You're not hurting the church. Your, your disobedience is not hurting the church. You're not hurting me. Your rebellion, if that's what it is, your whatever it is, the, uh, the lies or, or, or dysfunction, whatever it might be, you're not hurting me. You're not hurting the pastor. You're hurting yourself. It's not proving anything. In fact, the only thing that's being proven is that you can't pull one over on God. <laughs> the only thing that's being proven is that God is still in control. The only thing that's being proven is that in the end, it's his will that will ultimately prevail. Oh, yeah. Ooh, my Lord. Amen, somebody. But this hurt can be a positive thing. If, if you felt like at any moment there was like a holy ouch in your spirit when I was, as, I was, as I was preaching... It could be a positive thing because God wants to convert your hurt. Whew, that's a good little point right there. He wants to convert your hurt. So that the hurt you feel doesn't pierce you in a way that you walk away being mad at the preacher. <laughs> if that's what you do, you've done the wrong thing. That's what Cain did when God corrected him and said, you know, that, that the sacrifice wasn't good enough. Instead of bringing him a better and learning from that, he got upset and took it. And we all know what he did with it, right? <laughs> He inflicted pain and, and, and he killed his brother. No, that, that ought not to be your, your response today. Your response today ought to say, God, okay, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little in pain right now. You know, the preacher kind of hit me where it hurts. Okay, stepped on my shoes. I get it. But what am I going to do with this pain now? Well, here's what God wants of kicking against the ghost to signal this is your time to change. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. 
This is your time to change. I have found that that pain can be the purest expression of God's grace in our life. That pain could be the purest expression of his love. Why? Because scripture teaches that whom the Lord loves, he also chastens. And God will allow us to be chastened. He will allow us to experience pain in order to correct our course and get back to being who he called us to be. Amen, somebody. Somebody say amen today. The second thing, second clue today we see in Saul is an invitation. It's, it's not just all pain. It's not just all discomfort. In that intervention, there is an invitation when recalling his conversion experience in Acts 26, you'll read there that Paul specifically notes the way in which Jesus spoke to him. Watch what he says. He says, speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But, but notice here he, he, he writes that when, when God talked to me, the moment that I encountered grace, the moment that I encountered Jesus in that moment, my life was turned upside down. I was knocked off of my horse. A light was shining around me. I was blind. But here's something that I noticed, that when he talked to me, he spoke to me in my native tongue. He talked to me in my Hebrew language. Now, you say, what's the big deal with that? Well, the big deal is that Paul spoke different languages. He was at least bilingual in that he spoke both, uh, he spoke Greek and Hebrew, but he may have known even more than that. He was bilingual. He was fluent in different languages. And so it's interesting he makes note of the language that God used when he spoke to him. Because, you see, God understands something about the way that Saul works. God understands something about the language of our hearts. And he says, if I'm going to deep, dig deep, if I'm going to, to really reach you down, Reach down into the very recesses of your soul. If I'm really going to shake you where it matters, if I'm really going to get to you at the heart of who you are, then I've got to use every means necessary, and I'm going to speak a language that you will know without a shadow of a doubt. That it's me talking to you. You see, the principle tucked away here is that Jesus speaks the language of your heart. Oh, hallelujah. He's language. And God speaks that language. In other words, God knows what button to push in your life. Ah, hallelujah. He knows what button to push. He knows what strings to pull huh, in our hearts. And sometimes it's just, just as simple as maybe hearing an old song. Oh, you hear that song? It messes you up. Has that ever happened to you? You're minding your own. Hear that song? All of a sudden you get convicted. You go back to where it all started, huh? <laughs> He'll find a way or you'll run into a friend. And you know, every time I talk to that friend, my God, I, always, I, I feel like I don't pray enough. I feel like I'm not righteous enough. I feel like I need to work on me. You know, we all got those people in our life. I feel, I just, you know, I, I walk away feeling convicted. And, and sometimes God, God will speak the language to get to you. 
And it can come through a variety of forms. It can come through, you know, God can speak to us in different ways. Amen, somebody. He could talk to us also, uh, primarily through the word of God, through the Bible, the scripture. But God can speak to us in different. And sometimes it's just a situation you find yourself in. Oh, my Lord. Sometimes God will talk to you through your children. My God, ah, I'm going to help some parents out right now. God will talk to you through your children, and you'll be doing something. You'll be saying something, and all of a sudden your child will utter something because out of the mouth of babes, you just say you have perfected praise, right? And, and sometimes your child will say, hey, Daddy, is this true? And Mommy's, oh, my Lord. And he'll call you out. <laughs> right? And you're like, man, I need to tighten things up here. I need to, you know, or, or that you, you just feel like God is talking to you. Huh? Sometimes he'll, he'll talk to you through, through your spouse. Amen. It's going to get quiet in here now. He'll talk to you through your spouse. And sometimes my wife is talking to me. She's not in the room right now. But sometimes she's talking to me. And I'm just looking like, man, you're just like reading my mail right now. He's just, just, just telling me, you know. And, and she'll say some things. And I said, man, I know that's not just my wife. That's God speaking to her to talk to me. You know why? Can I tell you why? And this is just for the men out there because sometimes we're so hard-headed. Oh, you don't want to hear nothing. Don't say amen if you don't want to. We are so hard-headed. We are so stubborn. You know, we're like that goat. We're like that oxen. We're just kicking against the goat, kicking against the goat. And then finally our wife says, you know what, time out. I'm tired of you doing it. I'm tired of watching you messing up. No, this is what you got to do. You say, my Lord, God's talking to me. God knows the language of your heart. Somebody give God some praise today. God said, I'll speak to whomever I want to speak. I'll touch whatever I need to touch so that you know that I have not given up on you. Come on now, somebody. So that you know that I still love you. I still got a plan for you. Come on, would you clap your hands and just give God some praise right now? I'm almost done. Then he says, not just in the Hebrew language, but... He says, Saul, 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 and, and, and the repetition of his name is symbolic because in, in Hebrew custom, in Jewish custom, repeating a person's name twice is, a, is a, an expression of intimacy. It's an expression of every time, most times when you see a person's name being spoken twice, it's an invitation or an expression of in intimacy in the Hebrew language. Samuel, Samuel. God was calling him. Huh? Abraham, Abraham. Moses, Moses. Martha, Martha. And in each of those moments, uh, there is a call being made to a greater form of intimacy. And so when he said, Saul, Saul, oh, something awakened within Saul. It said, whomever it is that is calling unto me, it must be God. He's calling me into a deeper intimacy. Can I tell you that God might be confronting someone's life today not to push you further away, but to draw you in closer to him that you might know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of of his suffering that I may know him. God wants you to know him like never before. In verse 5, watch what Saul said. He said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. And I've got a very basic question for you today. I've got just a simple question today. Do you know Jesus? Oh, I didn't ask you, do you know church? 
Because there are some people that know church and they don't know Jesus. Who, my Lord. I didn't ask you, do you know the doctrine? Because you can even know the doctrine. You can quote it and not know the author. Do you know Jesus? In fact, I won't even ask you, do you know God? Because even God can be an ambiguous title, a term. Uh, people call a lot of things God. But do you know Jesus? And Saul thought he knew God. But he didn't know Jesus. He didn't know Jesus. He knew he was, a, he was masterful. He was masterful. Just give me just, a, 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 just about three or four more minutes. I'll be done. He was masterful at the law. He was a teacher of teachers. A Hebrew of Hebrews. Studied, studied under the finest Jewish teachers and scholars. He knew it, front and backwards. Huh. But he, he, he said, who are you, Lord? Because, see, sometimes you think you're doing one thing right, and, 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 God, and God begins to speak, and you can't even recognize that it's God talking to you. He said, I've never heard that voice before. I've prayed a lot of times. I've been in a lot of services, but I've never heard. A voice like that. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I've been in a lot of services. I've come to a lot of services. I've sung a lot of songs. I know the songs. I know the routine. I know church. I know where the preacher's going next. I can figure. I got this thing figured. I got it all down to a science. I got this thing figured out. But there's sometimes you feel you, 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 your, 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 your ear is not attuned to the voice of God. And then when God begins to speak to you. Who, who's talking to me right now? Who's talking? And God's saying, listen, it's not your stomach that's talking to you. It's not your, it's not your circum. It's me. It's Jesus. Someone say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And there are things that are happening in someone's life today. Piano player, come on. There are things that are happening in your life today. And what is Jesus doing? He's redirecting you. He's redirecting you, and he's talking to somebody right now. Would you close your eyes just for a moment? I feel the Holy Ghost. I've got one more point, and I'm going to try to give it to you in just, a, in, just a, in a rapid way. But, but I just feel God working right now. Oh, hallelujah. I feel God speaking to somebody today. I feel like today is a day of transformation. This is the day that the Lord has made. Hallelujah, God. Saul's encounter. Saul's moment with God on the road to Damascus is where someone is right now to some degree. I'm not saying that you're as bad as Saul was. I'm not calling you a persecutor or a religious terrorist. I'm not calling you hateful person and I say that you're on the level of Saul but, but the only thing you have to have in common with Saul today is that you're going in a direction that is less or different from where God wants you to go the only thing that you have to have in common today with Saul 
is that maybe you've been going in one way, thinking you've got it figured out, and then God interrupts you today and says, I'm going to redirect you. The third thing was illumination. He fell off of his horse, and he was blinded. And you know, this is interesting because he couldn't see a thing with his physical sight, and yet his life could not be clearer to him than it was in that moment. For three days, Saul couldn't see physically. But Brother David, he was able to see spiritually. For three days, he lost sight. But in the process of losing his sight, he gained his vision. You can see in the natural and be spiritually blind, you know. You can, you can see in the flesh and yet not see what God is trying to do in your life. And so sometimes God will allow things to go dark on you. God will turn off the lights. God will cause you to have to fill your way a little bit. Humble you a little bit. And say, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I do need some help. Maybe there is another level in God that I haven't attained. Because I just haven't asked for it. And Saul, in this place, embodies what he would later write in one of his epistles that we walk not by sight but we walk by faith someone say faith God is teaching and God is revealing to someone today the pain the darkness trouble it's not the devil it's God working in your life could you stand with me this afternoon in the presence of the Lord it's God working in your life. It's God signaling a transition. Oh, God, have your way right now. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Give your servant boldness, Lord. Give your servant boldness right now. Give your servant, your, your servant God, sensitivity to what you're doing. The Spirit of God is moving right now. I feel something happening in this place. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. In fact, I invite you right there where you're at. Would you just connect with God for a moment? I want you, I want, I want you to connect with the Lord in, the, in, in just any way that you know can. We're, gonna, we're, we're just going to hold off just for a moment on, on everything else. And, and we're just going to, I want you to just connect with God right now. Come on, I want everybody just to connect with God right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, oh God. Someone today is going to have to find themselves at this altar. You're going to have to find yourself today here. 
And there are Sundays that I have no problem under the, under the direction, influence of God to pull on people and to tug harder and harder to this altar. But, but this is one of those moments where I believe that the word has already got to the area of your heart and your life where it needs to go. But you're going to have to find yourself at this altar today. You're going to have to open up your heart and say, I'm tired of kicking against the goats. I don't want to resist the Holy Ghost. I don't want to resist. I don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. I don't want to find myself. I don't want to find myself on the wrong side of history. I don't want to find myself on the wrong side of God's plan. I want to be in the middle of what God is doing. I want to be a part. I want to be exactly where God wants me to be in my faith as a leader of my family. 